Hello and welcome to Doc to Me. My name is Heather. And I'm Kathleen. And this week we are covering Team Foxcatcher. Back to true crime. Yeah. I really <laughs> liked this one. This Netflix film is directed by John Greenhall and was released April 29, 2016. This is one of those stories that's a prime example of why you should never trust a rich weirdo. It He really reminds me of Robert Durst, but just yeah. not a serial killer. Yeah, Allegedly. I definitely... Allegedly. I got a lot of those <laughs> vibes. Um, definitely. It's know. like the same weird quirks and... There were too many signs yeah. that they just overlooked because, again, he was a rich white dude. It all could have been prevented. And yeah. I will say, this is the first documentary that I've seen since Dear Zachary that has, like, really, really made me, like, feel like I connected with the person. Yeah. And left me devastated. <laughs> it was home movies that they really used to, like, their advantage. Oh, yeah. It was, like, so many. Like, you really got a look into their whole life. Yeah. And just, I don't know, made me sad. So, I'm sure we've all heard of the DuPont family. I would put it up there with the Kennedys as far as, like, wealthy American families go. John DuPont was born November 22nd, 1938 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The youngest of four children of William DuPont Jr. and Jean Lissiter Austin. He grew up in Lissiter Hall, a mansion built in 1922 in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, by his maternal grandfather on more than 200 acres of land given to his parents at their wedding by his maternal grandfather. That's a wedding gift. I don't think my parents gave me anything for my wedding. Not, not <laughs> even an acre? Not even an acre. Not 200 acres? Fucking mansion? No, I didn't get shit. Both of his parents' families had immigrated from Europe to the United States at the beginning of the 19th century and became highly successful, which that's kind of an understatement. During, Just a little. Yeah. The DuPonts. Yeah. During the 1920s and 30s, the couple acquired more land and developed, developed Lister Hall Farm for thoroughbred breeding, showing, and racing. That's when you know you really have money. Yeah. When you can do fucking horses. horses. Yeah. Oof. His mother retained Lister Hall Farm after the couple divorced in 1941 when John was two. Marriage isn't going great, but maybe having a fourth kid will really bring us together. Turns out it won't. <laughs> Children never solve anything. No. His mom added a dairy herd of Guernseys. That sound right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Cows. We'll have to look into it. And bred Welsh ponies at the farm. So they have horses, cows, and ponies. You can't get richer than ponies. No, it's like they have serious, <laughs> serious money. It was too far back to like ha have an island, so you just buy ponies. <laughs> he had two older sisters, Jean and Evelyn, which I couldn't find. So he named the, they named the daughter after the mother, and they have a son named after the dad. That's well, they oh, have they'll money. have the son later. Sorry, but yeah, that's <sighs> when you have money, you name your children after yourself. But yeah, I guess if you're a Dupont. And That's also, fine. if you have absolutely no money, you name your children <laughs> after yourself and throw in a junior. Yeah. Um, it only makes could, sense if you're super successful. Or super, super unsuccessful. <laughs> I can never imagine naming my children after myself. No. I don't like myself enough. <laughs> and I couldn't find any information about, like, how... Because, you know, he talks about how he basically grew up alone or whatever, and I couldn't find any... I was like, well, fuck, he's got, like four siblings but i think it was one of those where it was like a last ditch thing trying right, to save so the I marriage yeah and... i couldn't find any dates for like when his siblings were born 
other than like obviously the one from when his dad you know remarried his siblings names don't pop up in blue so <laughs> so he had two older sisters Jean and evelyn and an older brother henry e.i dupont and a younger half-brother william dupont III, born of their father's second marriage so you would think if you're gonna be an asshole and name your kid after yourself you do it with the first marriage but yeah. he waits these yeah. kids aren't good enough i'll yeah. try again <laughs> second family <I> really <laughs> fuck with the older kids heads like you weren't good enough for yeah. the name yeah i had two sons already but we'll go ahead and go to the third one john graduated from haverford school in 1957 he attended the university of pennsylvania and withdrew before completing his freshman year he later attended college in miami florida <laughs> where he studied under and was mentored by scientist Oscar T. Ori to go from Pennsylvania to Miami. Miami must have been jolting. Yeah, quite a shock in culture. Like, that's crazy. Back in Florida. He, he graduated from the University of Miami in 1965 with a Bachelor of Science degree in zoology. Yeah, apparently he <laughs> was really into some things other than wrestling. And then later would go on to complete a doctorate in natural science from Villanova University in 1973. So, fucking nerd. Yeah. <laughs> During his graduate work, DuPont participated in several scientific expeditions to study and identify species of birds in the Philippines and South Pacific. Yeah, I read that he, like, he played a huge part in identifying a bunch yeah. of different species. And as I'm like, an, holy shit, this guy really likes birds. As an ornithologist, DuPont is credited with the discovery of two dozen species of birds. That's a lot of birds. Like, yeah. I was shocked that there were two dozen that he alone <laughs> was part of. Like, that's just amazing. And then he founded the Delaware Museum of Natural History in 1957. So, I mean, he seems to be doing good work with money yeah he's you know and he's doing a lot of good so far you know just with his birds should have <laughs> stuck with science <laughs> yeah as a young man he served on the board helping guide the institution towards o opening in 1972 after having been part of scientific expeditions he served as director of the museum for many years you would not expect it <laughs> no he definitely i feel like he should have stuck with his true calling yes at the age of 45 on september 3rd 1983 dupont married 29 year old gail wank an occupational therapist that's a bit of an age gap they met after he injured his hand in an auto accident and they lived together for less than six months so i also read that he apparently <clears throat> when he was, was it, did he say 45 at some point, he fell off a horse and injured his testicles. No, that was um, Dave's brother. Really? Said that that's what happened. Like, he said it on a radio interview or something. Oh. Because I was like, that's interesting. But I, they talked about how, you know, that was the reason for his androgynous, like... Yeah. And I was like, he didn't seem androgynous at all. Like, have these people seen an androgynous <laughs> person? Like, no. Oh. Those bullshit liars. <laughs> So DuPont filed for divorce when they had been married for 10 months. Wank sued DuPont for $5 million, claiming he had pointed a gun at her and tried to push her into a fireplace. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> the divorce became final in 1987, and DuPont's will excluded her from inheriting any of his estate. In 1987, it was estimated that John DuPont was worth $200 million, which would be like a little over $480 million today. That is 
No small change. No. So now we get to the victim. Dave Schultz, which not to be confused with David Schultz, the professional wrestler who smacked the shit out of 2020 reporter John Stossel. <laughs> Have you seen that clip? I'm not. John Stossel's interviewing about wrestling being fake. And uh, David Schultz just smacks the fuck out of him, busts his eardrum, and he's like, is that fake? Is that look fake? <laughs> John Stossel hits the ground, goes to get back up, and he hits him with the other. <laughs> it's such a funny uh, yeah, you don't, to watch. You don't want to fuck with a wrestler. No. Ever. ever he did have like this asshole attitude, like, is it fake? <laughs> Dude, you don't come up to these big-ass dudes asking that. So this Dave Schultz was born in Palo Alto, California to Dorothy Jean St. Germain, a lot of jeans, and Philip Gary Schultz. Dave began wrestling in junior high school at David Starr Jordan Middle School in Palo Alto, coached by Robert Hoskins, which I love imagining Bob Hoskins, the actor, like dressed as Mario, <laughs> training this kid, yelling at him. 1977, as a senior, he became state champion. That year, he also won both his first national and international wrestling titles. His senior year is considered by most experts as the most successful senior year in U.S. high school wrestling history. That's and crazy. He just seemed like such a nice guy. Yeah. His brother, Mark, started competing in sports and gymnastics, winning the Northern California All-Around Gymnastics Championship in his age group. In his junior year, he switched to wrestling, and in his senior year, won state. So their parents must be, like, thrilled yeah, with these two. some very talented children. In college, Dave was a three-time NCAA All-American first at Oklahoma State University, and then twice at the University of Oklahoma. How do you switch those two? Oklahoma. No. <laughs> In 1982, he was the 167-pound weight class NCAA champion, defeating Mike Sheets, which that's unfortunate, <laughs> from Oklahoma State University in the finals. By a tiebreaker in overtime, Dave won 10 senior national titles over a 19-year span. In international competition, he won a 1983 world championship and a 1984 Olympic gold medal, competing with the U.S. team. He won four World Cups and two Pan American Game titles and is the only American ever to twice win the prestigious tournament in Tbilisi, Georgia. The country? <laughs> I imagine. <laughs> Together with his brother Mark, they are the only American brothers to win both World and Olympic championships. Yeah, they were phenomenal. Yeah. He served as an assistant coach at the University of Oklahoma, Stanford University, and the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and trained 1996 Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, who would go on to be a professional wrestler. Fascinating fucking life. Yeah, he <laughs> definitely had a lot going for him. Yeah. He even went to, he even went like the Queen's, did you ever see Queen's Gambit? No, I haven't oh. watched it. Well, on that, she like learns Russian so she can figure out like who she's going up against, like what they're saying with the coaches, and he does the same thing. Right, yeah, no, I I thought that was really cool that like he, you know, thought so highly of like the Russian wrestlers yeah. that he, you know, he learned how to speak Russian so that he could, you know, be a part of all of that. It was really cool. So this leads us all to 1988. John DuPont assumed stewardship of Le stewardship Stewart stewardship of Leaseter Farm, renamed it Foxcatcher Farm, after his father's famed thoroughbred racing stables. So he never lived in like the big house, but as soon as his mom died, 
then he moves into the main house which that feels weird yeah i thought that was weird too just like he keeps most of his mom's animals and shit and then just builds this huge building for wrestling and training and starts paying athletes to come live on the farm and train. It was like when his mom de- died, there was no one there to keep him in check. And he just went all out yeah. on this wrestling stuff. He was definitely out of control yeah. in a lot of ways. But USA Wrestling needs the money and help with training because we can't beat those goddamn Soviets. So they welcomed John in with open yeah. arms. Like they said, like a lot of athletes couldn't continue to compete past a certain age because yeah. they had to take care of their families and they had to get jobs that actually God fucking supported kids. them. Yeah, and so, you know, to be able to continue wrestling and, you know, have a life, like he was doing great things for him. He was like, hey, like I'm going to pay you. That was a big deal. He sponsored swimming, track, and triathlons, but wrestling was really what interested him. So at this point, Foxcatcher Farm is 2,000 acres, which that's bonkers. Yeah. I've driven through towns smaller than that. It's <laughs> a lot of fucking area. The wrestling building costs like a million dollars. It wasn't just a couple of mats. It was a complete facility with three 50 by 50 mats, a weight room, a locker room, and offices. And then also on all this land, there's like houses scattered throughout for the athletes to live in. Yeah, and it's just like full-on homes. And then not only that, he's paying the athletes and the coaches to be there, and I'm sure maybe medical staff or something, because they're so far away. Yeah, he definitely, there were staff members. and insane. I've never been so dedicated to an interest. <laughs> no, no, I've never, I've, this is like the longest standing hobby I've ever had. <laughs> and I've definitely not poured millions of dollars into it. He wants to have the best of the best on his team. So that means calling Dave Schultz, which is great because not only are you getting a phenomenal athlete, but he's also a great coach. Yeah. And people want to come here to train because you're getting paid and you can bring your family with you to live there. Which is great, because seeing all the kids, like, growing up together. It was is, so sweet. It was just, oh, And that one little kid's, like, badass little rat tail. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that was the best, you know, 80s yes. fucking hair I've ever seen. God, those and it was on a small child. All that room to run, and there's animals. And- yeah, they were living a life, you know, having really close friends who were, you know, close in age and you were all growing up together in this like same little property going and going to school together. And, yeah, yeah. And just, and they really were living like the idyllic life. Yeah. How cults should be. Exactly. <laughs> when they're all living on a compound together. Apparently we just have to join a wrestling cult. <laughs> this farm really became like this huge great big family they had all those amazing barbecues to go to i would love to go to one of those yeah i mean just, just all the, that food the home videos were just i mean it was like the perfect life like, yeah you know being there with your family still he, being able to train and do your job and and he seemed like such a great guy too mm-hmm. everyone just kind of was drawn to him because yeah. he was a great wrestler but he was also just a really great person I just want to go to those barbecues. All those big, tough dudes trying to bulk up. You know it'd be some good meat there. (laughs) I'm hungry just thinking about it. (laughs) So before John kind of took over, wrestlers wouldn't stay in the sport for very long because guys would have to leave to take care of their families. But with the Foxcatcher team, you could still train and participate. And then in the evenings, hang out with your family, not have to worry about any money or housing. So it was a brilliant idea. Yeah, it was perfect. I just want to take a minute to talk about the interviews with John. He has the wettest 
lips <laughs> I've ever seen. I hated it, every second of it. Are they wetter than Stan in Love After Lockup? Yes. Because yes. those lips were disturbing. Or maybe it was different lighting and the skies was much brighter because it was just, you could see a reflection. Real moist. Oh, God. It Glistening. Was <laughs> After a while, people start to figure out that John is a little off centric. <laughs> Weird. Just not there. I mean, he's a weird rich dude that's it's gonna happen yeah it's par for the course i mean at one point he drove his car into a pond for no reason and, and then he... they gave him a rental car and he fucking drove it yeah he gets a loaner car and does the same thing with someone in the back seat and i'm like why did you do that i don't know just fucking wild are you saying i don't know to the first time or the second time yeah, like... how do you it makes me think of The Office when Michael was just following. And having it turn right. And he's like, <laughs> he's no, Michael, don't turn right. Just... right to the pond. <laughs> and he says, turn right. He says, turn right. <laughs> and it's so slow into that pond. <laughs> he's also, at this point, starting to become more obvious with his anger issues. But Dave seems to be the only person who can kind of sort of keep him in check, talk him back down. Yeah, he was like his best friend at that point. I feel like we all kind of grew up with someone like John, though, like kind of really withdrawn and doesn't want to, doesn't know how to socialize with his peers. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I can be that way. Like, I'm definitely not a super social person. I'm, I tend to be awkward and just not quite sure of what to say and do. But, like, and he, he, you know, he blamed it on the fact that, like, he grew up alone and, you know, didn't. Yeah, he was basically raised by maids for help until he was, like, 13. Yeah, he wasn't allowed to eat with his family until he was, like, 13. Or, like, I I imagine it's weird growing up rich, but, like, I think a lot of it was just that he was not mentally, like. I feel like he's the weird guy at a party where people aren't paying attention to him. He doesn't know how to, like bring the focus back on him so he's like just check like, out this sword i have yeah like, that kind of shit just out of nowhere yeah like or like hey guys i have a gun yeah like just <laughs> like just like really fucking weird shit that you're yeah. like whoa uh like we're, we're not cool with that but like he's okay with the negative attention because <laughs> you know it's back on him yeah he seems very intelligent and then we'll just see, do su- something super dumb and immature just shit every now and then like just driving the car into a pond yeah i feel like he was kind of like a child he's definitely an odd dude and then growing up fucking rich as shit to the point that your parents don't even deal with you just the maids that's got yeah that's gotta fuck you up completely but i really can't trust someone who refers to his mom as mother it's <laughs> so chilling i remember my oldest called me that as a joke and i was like no don't no do not ever do that i just <laughs> Honestly, like, the transition from, like, mommy to mom was traumatic enough for me that, like, mother, like, fuck that. Do not call me that. <laughs> like, or, like, mother dear, like, any of that shit. No. Like, no. that's fucking serial killer vibes, okay? <laughs> like, you don't ever fucking call me that. Like, I would rather you call me by my name yes. than call me mother. Like, oh, you're, like, in your 50s or 60s. What are you doing? Yeah, just gross. So John becomes super attached to Dave and his family. The Schultzes were basically the family he didn't get to have growing up. Yeah, they were having, like, Thanksgivings together and Christmases. Like, they were, like, legit family. Which has to be hard for Dave because he can't say no to John. He's just too nice. 
John is the reason Dave's able to still wrestle and take care of his family, so it's a tough situation. And eventually, John wants to be like the wrestlers. Which was so uncomfortable to watch. (laughs) The part where he's like, they're like wagging his arms and his fucking old man flab is just like bouncing around. I'm just like, oh my god. Like somebody like pin his arms back. (laughs) He is in his late 50s, I think, at this point. Yeah, he was like 55. Trying to wrestle with these younger guys who are so terrified they're going to snap him in half. So they're like fake wrestling with him just to make him feel good. Despite his only prior wrestling experience as a freshman in high school, <laughs> he so began competing again years. at the age of 55 in the 1992 Veterans World Championship in Cali, Cali Colombia. Following that in 1993 in Toronto, Ontario, and then 1995 in Sofia, Bulgaria. What the fuck? That is the ultimate midlife crisis. Yeah, he... Well, I mean, the ending, like, it just, you know, it's fucking hilarious. He's not an athlete. No, he's not. He's not. I mean, he's, like, relatively fit for an old guy. Because, like, you know, when you get older, like, it's harder. Fuck, I'm only, like, 30 and it's hard for me to stay in shape. to these guys, it's laughable. He's not super fit. He's a fucking dude in his, like, late 50s who has, like, you know, like I said, they're, like, waving his arms around in his, like, old man arm flab is like waving in the air like fucking gelatin like he's not an athlete he was basically pretending to be one so he was like part of the team well it's worse than that because old people do not wrestle so they're having to hire these guys to wrestle well and that's what's so funny is he was faking it they were paying these dudes to wrestle him and let him win (laughs) like he was literally just like pretending it's like when you have like a small toddler and you're like yeah you're really good at that like i mean just it was sad and they show the match and it's so obvious it is so sad it was it reeked of like desperation to be a part Mm -hmm. of the crowd yeah in his mind he feels like he's the younger athletes that he's hanging out with and it's just it's so sad and it's and i don't know how he still has money because he's basically just buying friends. He was, absolutely. He had to spend so much on this. And I won't, it, like, that's not to say that, like, some of these guys didn't really, like, genuinely care for him and, you know, want to be there to some extent. But, like, he was, like, throwing money around to be social and yeah, learn how to like be a part of that. he's just paying for flights. He's got his own jet that they're flying everywhere on. He's paying for them to live and to work and just, you know, everything. He's fucking supporting them 1,000%. And then it doesn't help that he's also throwing money at the local police. He allows them to come onto his property to practice shooting. He's paid a dollar every year so he could be a reserved officer and, and get have his a picture uniform. And get his picture taken with the other cops. He's it's, literally, it's like he's a child who never grew up and he's just getting to like live out these like fantasies, like yeah. getting to be a wrestler and getting to be a cop and doing all these other things. Like, it's so sad. It really is. Every hunting season, the cops are coming to hang out with him to go hunting, which obviously you can't hunt on that land unless you're invited on. So, of course, they're going to be like, yeah, let's hang out yeah, with this guy. Yeah, we're friends. Like, yeah, of course. To the rest of us, that sounds terrifying for a rich dude to be friends with cops. Like He doesn't need any more. That just tells me you can get away with anything. The cops aren't going to do jack shit about it. Look at how many times OJ got away with beating Nicole because the cops would show up and want his autograph. Yeah. It pays to be a rich white person or just fucking rich, rich. in general. Yes. 
And then that piece of shit had the gall to raise the Foxcatcher farm flag above the flag of the United States of America. I loved that part when the cop was just like, <laughs> he just did what he wanted. He's like, he even raised the flag higher. It's just like. That's how you know you're rich. I mean, I, you know, with Boy Scouts to deal with the flag and, you know. And then he just drives around with his rifle so he could hunt as he drove. Which is not cool, man. <laughs> not cool at all. Just it's against it the, the law. Window while he's driving by, just shooting at deer. Yeah. Like, totally acceptable. Not fucking cool. <laughs> just like, <laughs> who the fuck is shooting a rifle at their car window? While he's driving like that old Lincoln or something. <laughs> it's like, just, what the fuck? So despite all this, at some point, John's starting to get super paranoid to the point he's recorded hours of just the woods (laughs) insisting someone or something is in there. (laughs) And then he's having them watch the hours of footage and be like, did you see that? Did you you see that? What we had to say, we did. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like, you know, some of them encouraged him and some of them didn't. And, you know, it. My favorite was he thought there were tunnels under his house. And Dave was going through, through these them. tunnels. <laughs> She's like, this is fucking your house. Do you think Dave built these tunnels under your house? Like, what the hell? Just to mess with you. Yeah. No, just to fuck around. Like, it's your family's property. When would Dave have built these tunnels? <laughs> when did he have the time? <laughs> like, the fact that they these guys are still spending time with him socializing with them i well, feel they, they really so, did care about yeah, they him. were so worried about him that they were taking shifts staying in the house with him watching over him they'd be like okay well like you know i'm done at 9 30 and then like someone else would come along and stay until like 11 30 or whatever like it, it didn't to me it didn't seem like they were just doing it because of the money like they really did care about him especially yeah. dave no dave for sure was you he know truly he was cared they about him. had a close bond they were really good friends and he was worried about him and you know meanwhile he's like dave's going through tunnels under my house yeah fucking weird uh valentin yordanov was a bulgarian wrestler that john took under his wing so much so that John decided to sponsor the Bulgarian wrestling team and proclaim... And pretend that he is Bulgarian. You can't with that bullshit. Your name <laughs> is DuPont. DuPont. You are literally French. French. Yeah. He was like... That's he, the most well-known French name. Yes. He literally said he was fucking Bulgarian and just like, no. Your, fans, like, your family's so rich, you can look back. Your family At is each generation. You're French as shit. My Bulgarian heritage. There is no Bulgarian heritage. You are French. Like, you cannot pretend this. He gets even more paranoid. He hires security with military background and grows to fear the color black because it represents death. Dude, wild. He tells, like, he won't let them have, like, black cars. He fires all the black wrestlers. That should have been the turning point where everyone's just yeah. like, we're fucking leaving. This is when you leave. He obviously has issues. And I can't believe that nobody, you know, what happened to like the solidarity of like, you know, they're fucking, and he's like, oh, I don't want anyone to think I'm racist. Bro, you fired all the black wrestlers. You're yeah. fucking racist at yeah. this point. Like, whatever your motive. I, he just doesn't, he's not cool with the color black. Yeah, he doesn't understand why people are telling him that what he is doing is racist. And the it, U.S. That wrestling, point I was just like, whoa. The U.S. Wrestling Committee just lets it happen because they don't want to lose that piggy bank, which that is such bullshit. It was the biggest red flag. When he won't let you have a car on the property because it's black, 
when he fires he all the He got rid the of the black, black horses. Yeah, got rid what of all the, the black fuck? horses. Yeah, he literally, that was the point where everyone should have been like, he's not doing well. He should probably see a doctor. Uh, and then they figure out he's a cokehead. <laughs> Which, that explains some of it. He was staying up hours of the night. It's shocking how long it took them to figure out that he was doing coke. Uh, I think that him being up all hours of the night would have been like yes. the first indicator. Not sleeping and just walking around with a handgun. Like, none of that screams drugs, coke at the very least. I just want to remind you, there are families living on this property. Small he's just walking children. around with guns. Small and... children. <sighs> and he's like getting increasingly more paranoid about like Dave, especially. Like he just, you know, he, talking to like the security of the firm that he hires and everything. And I feel like they do have a lot of blame for not shutting all of that down too. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of like, you know they were fine with taking his money and being like, okay, yeah, sure, we'll, like, put more cameras up and we'll, like, look into the tunnels they, that yeah, you're talking they about. they dug into the ground to look for these tunnels that like, didn't exist. They knew that he was clearly having some kind of psychotic break and they were just like, yeah, sure, you know, pay us and we'll look for these tunnels and we'll, yeah. like, keep an eye on this Dave fella. So stupid. And it's not until John pulls a gun on a wrestler and then sets another house on fire before people are starting to go, okay, maybe there's something wrong with this guy. But nothing happens because Dave sticks up for John, which is very unfortunate. Soon after, even Dave is put on John's shit list. John's interest in wrestling had begun to wane the previous years, and he advised USA Wrestling that the 400000 annual contribution he had been making to the organization since 1989 would cease. With that, Dave Schultz informs John that he would be leaving Foxcatcher after the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta to accept a coaching position at Stanford University. Dave just wants to stick it out because he wants to the Olympics are six yeah. months, and this is going to be his last chance to wrestle because he's almost 40. So January 26, 1996, a huge snowstorm had hit Pennsylvania the previous day. They're home and videos. John grabs a camera and his gun and joins up with his security guy, Patrick Goodale. They're driving around the property so John can check damage around. Like yeah, fences like, and trees. Yeah, fences and trees that have been knocked down by the storm. And They pull up to Dave's house, and as Dave is walking towards the car, John just fires the gun at him, and Dave is hit three times. So we don't know how many times he actually fired, but Dave's hit three times. Patrick's sitting right next to John in the passenger seat. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it literally, like, just out of nowhere. No warning, no, no indication, nothing. He just fucking they shoots the guy. They hadn't even, like, had a conversation. He just drove up and just started shooting at him. So, yeah, John's in, or uh, Patrick's in the passenger seat. He gets out of the car. Dave's wife, Nancy, is also a witness. She goes running over to Dave. Ugh, and, and then John just drives back to the house. Yeah, like, no big deal. He gets to his house and holds up there for two days while police negotiate with him. The frustrating thing is the cops let him sleep. Okay, yeah. So w during the interview when the cop, when they're like, okay, you know, the negotiations ended around 9 p.m. as yeah. the suspect went to sleep or whatever. And they're like, why the is he allowed fuck? to sleep? Dude, fucking Waco. They didn't let those fuckers no. sleep. No, they kept him up all hours. What was that other one where they just like firebomb the neighborhood? You don't, when you are under 
fucking hostage negotiations. Well, I guess there were no hostages. But when you're fucking negotiating with somebody who is literally a fucking criminal, you just murdered someone. Yeah. You don't fucking let him sleep. In fact, like, if you're going to let him sleep, why don't you bust in in the middle of the night? No, they waited. Just, ugh, you made me sick. That's what happens when you're rich and white. They finally capture him almost 50 hours later when he came out to fix his heater after they turned off the power. And no one can find any motive for this. Nothing. Literally, none. So, of course, he pleads not guilty by reason of insanity, which uh, the insanity defense was thrown out by the court. And on February 25th, 1997, a jury found him guilty of third-degree murder, but mentally ill. In Pennsylvania, third-degree murder is a lesser charge than first-degree, which is intentional, or second-degree, a killing occurring during the perpetration of a felony, and indicates a lack of intent to kill, which, fuck you. Yeah, just, it was hit him at least or he fired at least three shots yeah for no reason no yeah absolutely no he went out of his way to drive over there and shot just completely disgusting not have any intent to kill it's bullshit the jury verdict of guilty but mentally ill meant the sentencing sentencing would be referred to the judge patricia jenkins he could have been sentenced from anywhere from five to 40 years but the judge kind of met in the middle, and he was sentenced to 13 to 30 years. Following the guilty verdict, Nancy Schultz filed a wrongful death lawsuit against John. The amount of the settlement was not disclosed. However, the Philadelphia Inquirer, citing anonymous sources, reported that DuPont was to pay Schultz at least $35 million. She should have gotten everything. Yeah. John's attorney fired, filed appeals. In 2000, his case reached the Supreme Court, which upheld the verdict. He was first eligible for parole on January 29th, 2009, and it was denied. His maximum sentence would have ended January 29th, 2026, when he would have been 87. However, John died at the age of 72 on December 9th, 2010, from chronic obstruct- obstructive pulmon- pul- uh, God damn it. Chronic obstruction pul- pulmonary, pulmonary disease, or COPD. God damn it. I can hear it in my fucking head. <laughs> He was buried in his red fox catcher wrestling singlet. That was the part that I, I just could not that. believe. They buried this man in his wrestling outfit. In accordance like, with his will. At like I guess his family has their own cemetery in Wilmington, Delaware. To date, he is the only member of the Forbes 400 richest Americans to be convicted of murder. That's not to say that, like, others haven't committed murder. Maybe they just haven't been caught, you know? He was convicted. <laughs> God, this is the weirdest part. After his arrest, he ordered all the buildings at Foxcatcher Farm to be painted black. black which, one of, I know one of them, they didn't even, like, finish. You could see that one section yeah. that, where they, like, <laughs> ran out of paint. And were Dude, like, eh. he's not going to fucking see them. He's in prison. Like, why are you even bothering? Yeah, I would just, ta- just paint also, the front when you're driving by. <laughs> Dude, I wouldn't even fucking paint shit and take his money and not do anything. Just take a bucket and just <laughs> slosh some paint over. Pour it also, on why does he even have his money when he's in fucking prison? They should have taken everything, seized all of his fucking assets. All of it should have gone to his victim's family. The 90-year-old DuPont mansion, Lysander Hall, in which he was raised and lived in for 57 years, was demolished by Glenn Miller demolition in January 2013. Which 
that company name just makes me laugh. Like I was imagining an orchestra player just like knocking the building over with a trombone. <laughs> I hear Glenn Miller. That's what I think of. Glenn Miller and his demolition crew. <laughs> the mansion stood on 400 acre portion of the property that is now being developed by Toll Brothers into a master plan community of 449 luxury homes called Lysiter Estate. Most of the outbuildings were torn down, though an existing 7,000 square foot historical barn will be used as a clubhouse in the new development. Just tear it all down. Just burn the land. Yeah, just gotta start fresh. And what about his money? His will bequeathed 80% of his estate to Valentin Yordanov. He was obsessed with him. And 20% to the Eurasian Pacific Wildlife Foundation. In June 2011, John's niece, Beverly DuPont Goggle, (laughs) and nephew, William H. DuPont, filed a petition to challenge the will in Media, Pennsylvania, asserting that John was not of sound mind when he made his will. The petition claims that during the period, John asserted alternately that he was Jesus Christ, the Dalai Lama, and a Russian Tsar. He was, I will agree that he was That's not. That's just coke. I will agree that he was not of sound mind when he made his will. <laughs> like, he definitely, like. Not Bulgarian, a Russian Tsar. Which is it, okay? You can't be all three. Fuck. But I he seriously. That's the ultimate craziness. I'm Jesus. He. Like, that's everybody. I think that that was a motivator for, like, why he killed him. I think that he was jealous of Dave. Dave yeah. was, you know, the person that everybody, everybody loved. loved. He was He was social and friendly and just this great guy and i think he was jealous of that and i think he was jealous of dave's relationship with the other wrestlers like dave was leaving and he's not gonna allow that and that footage they showed of him in the car like john's in the front seat and like dave sitting in the back with um oh where you just see that little bit of darkness yeah and they took it as a joke yeah no it was not a joke he was jealous because dave was speaking in russian to the other guy Mm -hmm. and he didn't know what they were saying and like he was pissed he definitely he's like i'll fucking kill them all and then he kind of does a laugh but then he just looks forward does not move no and they're like oh he's joking i'm like no dude that was one thousand yeah he it was that part i was just he let that slip a little bit shit like you could see the real him and it was not pretty like he definitely was jealous and i think that was a big part of it just disgusting so their petition was dismissed and while appealed the superior court of pennsylvania has upheld a delaware county orphans court order didn't know that was a thing dismissing a challenge on the will on november 9th 2012 former Delaware County Court of Common Pleas President Judge Joseph Cronin dismissed the challenge for lack of standing, finding that because the niece and nephew were not named in two successive wills going back to 2006, they would not be harmed if the September 2010 will was deemed valid. Which, yeah, you guys haven't been fucking mentioned, but you think you deserve this money? That's so greedy. I I imagine they must have gotten something, like, in the original. I mean, not in, like, his will, but, like, I mean, it's a huge fucking family estate and yeah, finances. I feel like, like they don't even need the money, but they don't want that money going to anybody else outside of the family. Which, I mean, I guess I understand, like, 
not wanting it to go to some random wrestler that he was just like obsessed with but they had to have had something in the past from like their family members like their parents and their grandparents like after schultz murder 20 former fox catcher athletes were left without training or coaching resources six months before the 1996 olympic games Schultz Widow founded Dave Schultz Wrestling Club in March 1996 to sponsor the stranded wrestlers through the Olympics. Which, that's sad that the widow has to do it, not the rich asshole. Yeah, she should have gotten all of his money. All of it. The club succeeded beyond the initial goal and continued to train athletes in both men and women's freestyle and Greco-Roman wrestling until it closed in 2005. Among the wrestlers who competed under Dave Schultz's WC sponsorship were Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle, Brennan Slay, Patricia Miranda, and Stephen Neal. That's cool. Since Schultz's death, USA Wrestling has hosted the annual Dave Schultz Memorial International Wrestling Meet at the United States Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Which I feel like... I don't know if they're doing it, like, out of guilt, like, they kind of failed him, or if they are, like, actually recognizing, like, he was a what he did yeah. for the sport. In 1997, Schultz was posthumously inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Flame. Hall of Flame? How did they get posthumously, but not? <laughs> <laughs> inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame as a distinguished member. The singlet Kurt Angle Warren, whose early World Wrestling Federation career was a tribute to Schultz. ESPN Films featured the story of DuPont and Teen Foxcatcher in the 2015 30 for 30 series film, The Prince of Pennsylvania. Olympic wrestling champion Mark Schultz, the younger brother of Dave, wrote Foxcatcher, the true story of my brother's murder, John DuPont's madness, and the quest for Olympic gold. And also the 2014 movie Foxcatcher with Steve Carell as John, Mark Ruffalo as Dave, and Channing Tatum, or Charming Tater, <laughs> as my husband and I like to call him, plays Dave's brother, Mark. I imagine he had a play in, in casting. <laughs> yeah. Steve Carell is John. Oh, I want that hot young dude to play me. So you enjoyed it? I did. I really liked it. It was definitely, I mean... I would say that it was kind of up there with Dear Zachary and, like, the whole, like, feeling. Like, when his son talks about how, like, everyone talks about what a great, da- like, person he his dad was and, you know, all these things that he did. And he talks about how, like, he doesn't really have any memories of that. Like, that fucking killed me. Because yeah. his kids were so young when he was murdered. And, oh, God, the scene, like, when they're at the funeral and, like, all the kids are just playing and stuff. Yeah, because they, they have no idea. Yeah, they, they don't understand what, you know, death is really. Yeah. And not even just death, but, like, the fact that he was taken for no reason. Just, like, absolutely out of nowhere. Just, ugh. It was definitely, like, they made you feel for Dave. They made you, like, really love the guy. And then, bam. Just fucking, ugh. Yeah, because he was constantly smiling and laughing. He was adorable. Like, the, you know, when he's, like, hanging out with his kids. Like, all the videos. Like, he definitely seemed like an amazing dad and a great husband and a loving person and you know everyone like the fact that he learned russian so that he could like be a better wrestler and understand like yeah just like that alone i mean is a huge and i i think john is jealous of all that like he saw that he was a better person and it's fucking gross but 
I can't believe that fucker. Like, I'm just like, how? How is he having shit painted on his land from prison? <laughs> I know. Like, like, why is anybody doing like, this? Like, why does he have any money? He sh- that that should have all been seized, given to the widow, and he should the be fact fucking. That they let him sleep. Uh, yeah. No, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You're in a no- like a hostage. Like, not hostage. Why do I keep saying hostage? You're in a negotiation. <laughs> with someone like no like if he says he's going to sleep you say all right and then you fucking bust in with the tear gas and fucking take him out like i cannot believe and then when he was just like uh you gotta turn the heat back on like it's really cold (laughs) and then like they're just like uh we'll see what we can do about that and he's like oh can i just can i go check on it like they're just like yeah sure it felt like btk like yeah sure you could send it a floppy drive we're not we can't trace that we can't trace that yeah we're just like how fucking dumb are you he just like walks out arrest me if i walk out right now yeah no no i don't believe anything the cops say ever (laughs) and i'm a white woman like fuck he's just like all right i'm coming out like i'm gonna be wearing black and they're like you're not gonna be armed are you and he's like no and they're like you better not be armed he's like i won't be armed like, then he's surprised that they come out and like fucking arrest yeah. him like bro you murdered someone like, Jesus. i can't believe they let you sleep should have been fucking shining floodlights and playing loud fucking trash music oh, what is it they do with waco the rabbit screaming Yes. <laughs> like bright lights and like God, like fucking and there were children in there. <laughs> it's just some old fuckers won't put the coat down. Seriously. Ugh. Absolutely disgusting. Just another case where it shows like you can get away with anything as well, long as least, you're rich. At least he ended up dying in prison. He was in prison long enough. Well, and it was even sad when the daughter talks about how like she was sad that he died because everyone was happy about it. Like yeah. that is heartbreaking that like despite the fact that he took her father from her when she was just a small child and she's still upset that like everybody's happy he's dead yeah just that's sad for somebody to be that hated yeah have nobody love you and yeah that's a sweet family that's a good family it really is just oh and then at the end when she's walking through the old house yeah and she's like oh you know this is uh was it danny was it danielle yeah, it was the daughter. Yeah, she was like, you know, this is her nursery. And and then there was still moving boxes. Yeah. When they originally moved in. Yeah, like for the little boy's room and just, uh, See? This, that had to be so hard for her to go back there. Yeah, because, like, they had, like, this happy little life and then, bam. Just out of nowhere. No reason. So, yeah, it definitely... It's a good documentary. Makes you really feel all the feelings. Because mm-hmm. it's just... You really, I don't. You're like, man, this guy seems really cool. Like, he just—he's always smiling. He's always happy, for nothing. For nothing, yeah. It was definitely another dear Zachary. I was just like, why? <laughs> why did you do this to me? No dead kids, though. No dead kids. <laughs> God, fuck dear Zachary. Join us next week as we learn about John Bonet Ramsey. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. Just, I can't do that one. I just. <laughs> All right, well, join us next week. Talk to you then. We'll do something with murder, I'm sure. Yeah, there's plenty. <laughs> plenty of murder. I can have a good night. Could it be each other? What? <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye.